salvation, right? You, do you trust him still? Do you trust him to the degree that you come before him and that you, you rely on him? How much do you trust him? Do you trust him enough to be able to surrender every area of your life, of your heart, to open up and totally be laid out before him? To say, okay, God, whatever you want, it's yours. Whatever you want from me, I'll give it to you. Or are there some areas we hold back? For example, the the dollar bill with the little reserve thing, you know, the reserve note. Do you hold back in reserve? Do you know why? Um, We hold back in reserve. Matter of fact, we're even learning financial peace yesterday morning. They talked a little bit about uh, a reserve that you're supposed to have. Three to six months. Is that what it was, Kenny? Three to six months income for all your bills. Be able to take that. You have that set aside. So kind of we're learning even that we ought to have some money in case a rainy day fund kind of thing. Not just your emergency money, but literally what happened if you lost your job tomorrow? Could you meet your obligations and your bills? Could you sustain that for three to six months? If you don't have that, which a lot of people go, no, um, why aren't you in financial peace? university? Why aren't you in the class? Because if you haven't had the monies, that means you haven't had the discipline. It hasn't had, you haven't had the stewardship. So guess what? You ought to be in there. But what? I'm too smart for that. Are you really now? No, you're really not because you can't answer that question in the right way, right? So trusting God means I'm trusting God. Well, that costs 90 bucks to do that class. Yeah. Good money spent. I'll guarantee you we can find some stupid money in your lives. That means money where you haven't been so smart. Last week we talked about two weeks notice. That is, if you had two weeks to live, what would you do differently? How would you live your lives if you knew that you only had two weeks? We said Resurrection Sunday happens because Jesus knows going in today, see, two weeks ago he knew what happens on the day they crucified him. Okay? So we're going to celebrate resurrection. Now it's only a week away. Did you do anything different last week? Did you bring something before God and say, what do you, how would you want me to live my life different? What is it? Some died today. Some stuff died maybe this morning during little altar time and time with God. But what else would he have? Would he have you to die to this week yet that, that we haven't fully given ourselves over? Maybe we said we would, but then when it came time, we were like with everybody else. Until we heard the rooster crow as a reminder. See, God knows he's mindful that we're but flesh. He's mindful of our weaknesses. He still wants us to trust him, doesn't he? Do you know the only way Jesus could go into this week of, they call it the triumphal entry, right? What exactly makes it triumphal for Jesus? Can you tell me? All the way leading up until till resurrection itself, What is there that's really triumphal for him in this whole week? I I, I didn't see anything triumphal. Because he knew when he's riding in on that donkey, right? He knew the people who were saying Hosanna were the same ones that were going to be crying out crucify within the week. I mean, he knew that. So it wasn't like he, oh, shucks, I I didn't know this. Mm, Boy, this is tough. He actually knew going in, he knew what was going to happen. He says, it's for this purpose that I've been 
born. This is the fulfillment of all that's been written of the, in the prophets, see? He says that this is the culmination. Here I am, I'm coming in. And instead of sneaking in, he didn't sneak in covertly. He wasn't a Navy SEAL kind of thing. He goes in, boom, riding on a donkey in your face. That's what I believe Christianity is supposed to be, a kind of in-your-face thing. Now, with grace, that means, you know, we got to recognize the opportunity and where it takes this and where it takes this. What's your approach? Look at, let's go to Isaiah 50. Let's start in Isaiah chapter 50. I'm going to read from verses 4 and following. Didn't you ever, have you ever had the assurance from God that when he calls you to something, that he's going to be there with you in that process? That when he told you something that you were supposed to do, that he was going to empower you to be able to make that decision and and actually follow through on it. Have you known that before? Because here's the deal. If you won't respond to him in that way, you wouldn't have known that because he wouldn't have had to make a promise to you. See? But going in ahead of time before, because all this was written way before any of us existed, he made promises. He made covenants. He made statements that, with emphasis that tells us that he'll be with us, that he'll be on our side. That in the midst of whatever it goes through, he even said, especially for pastors, by the way, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Who's he talking to? He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to whosoever will take a risk to go out there and be a loudmouth for him. Be a witness. See? So in Isaiah 50, I'm, I'm doing verses, chapter, starting verse 4. Listen to this here now. He's talking, this is, who is this talking? It's Isaiah speaking, but he's talking about, this is actually, see who you pick up on it. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. I gave my back to those who strike me, and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. For the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up to each other. Who has a case against me? Let him draw near to me. Wow. Do you see why he can go into the triumphal entry facing the cross, facing that he knows he's going to be scourged, that they're going to strike him on his back? Remember, this is before the process actually exists. Okay? They're going to strike him on his back. They're going to pluck out his beard did that happen to Jesus? Yes, it happened to Jesus. See? So he's literally prophesied about what's going to happen to him. The fact that he's out there, one of my favorite pictures, not hanging up yet, it's in the prayer room, but it shows Jesus with uh, uh, his disciples around him and he's teaching. Do you know what happened there? Is it in Acts chapter 2? It's talking about the fact that the apostles and the disciples and teaching. You know what that's talking about? It's talking about leadership. It's talking about leadership in your lives. 
Part of the reason why you're here is for leadership. Part of the reason you're here is to say, I come to worship God, but I also come so that I can hear that. I can be discipled. I can be taught. I can be trained. I can be whatever that is. I can also come for fellowship, and I get to share my faith with the brothers and sisters who are gathering in that church today, in that building today, part of the body. Part of the reason that to church somebody says, why don't we have revival? Because we don't live that right there, chapter 2 of Acts. That's why we don't have a revival. Don't blame it on music and churches and theology and all that other. The truth is, it's, that's based on us. There wasn't the kind of unity in anywhere. I haven't seen it yet unless it's overseas where they literally have nothing. So guess what? Why don't we just have revival? We're all stuck in the muck here. So that's why they have it, because they're not beholding of all the things of life. So here, look at verse 9, what he says. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who is he who condemns me? Behold, they will all wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them. Who is among you that fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of his servant, that walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. He isn't telling you something he didn't do. He's actually telling you to do the exact same things he did before he could ever mount up on that donkey going into what he knew he was facing. He knew that he could rely on his God. He could trust his father to do what he had promised that he would do. Folks, for some of us, you may have never asked God to, to, to give you a promise. You never ask God to speak his covenant purpose into your heart and into your mind and into your spirit so that you can have the assurance of heaven about a detail that he's calling you to. That's simply, it's kind of like, well, I never asked. Well, okay, ask. Ask and you'll find your life being transformed because he'll come in and he'll do the surgery that's needed to remove that element, that aspect, that part of your life. But it's not really safe to be able to say, no, I'm just not going to do that. See, it's not safe because nothing's going to get any better because he's going to be persistent about that issue in our lives, whatever that issue is. And for each of us, it's a little bit different, isn't it? And that's why you've got to be connected with him because you need him to speak to you specifically because that's how he's going to deal with you. Not as a whole congregation. You know, my prayer before preaching is, Lord, that you take it by your Holy Spirit and you make my word apply as it needs to apply in each person's life so that every person will come through saying, wow, God really busted my chops. It sounds like you were, somebody says you were speaking to me. So you think I'm preaching about you? Come on, get over yourself. The idea is you're not exclusive to that stuff. You probably have it going on like another six or eight people in the room have it going on. Some kind of stuff that God's after. Here's the thing, you can trust God. What, what would you say? What are the reasons you don't trust God? Go ahead and throw some at me. Or let's say you're perfect and you trust God absolutely perfectly, never doubt that. So let's say, why would people not trust God? Others. Anybody? Why wouldn't you trust God? Go ahead. Because he's not physically there. That's reasonable, isn't it? I don't see him. It's hard to, to, to trust something you don't see. Amen? Okay, that's a good one. What else? Yeah, because bad stuff happens to good people. I don't mind it happening to the bad guys, but happening to good people's kind of whack, don't you think, God? 
What's that about? I have a hard time trusting you because I gave you, I thought you had my back and you let me down. What else? Yeah, not my time frame. I can't believe. I, I prayed 10 years ago for something and God still hasn't done it. So evidently, he doesn't like me. Evidently, he's not all powerful after all. There's a problem with God. So if I have a problem, that makes me like God, huh? Created in his image, I got a problem, he's got a problem. He doesn't tell time very well. I do, it's ten till. Yeah, because of our past. That's part of it. How much of your past? God gave me a phrase before I ever come up here, gave me this little thing. It, it totally suits my family as well. That is, 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 is with the church, I didn't even understand the depth of the hurt and all the other issues involved. I just know God spoke to my heart about old wineskins, new wine, new wineskins. And then the word was this. Part of my past keeps me so lost in the present that I have no concept of the future. Part of my past, that's my phrase, that's what God gave me, by the way, that's not some other author. Part of my past keeps me so lost in the present I have no concept of the future. Some of us, we can't move on in our lives because that past thing, is, it's got its hooks in us and it just drags us back every time you try to go somewhere. Every time you try to move beyond that place, it drags you right back and holds you down. Wow. So we were let down, we were hurt, we were disappointed, we were angry. All the reasons why we wouldn't trust God, right? And how much worse is it if a pastor does that to you? See, because what? You've tried to trust that guy. How many have heard the phrase before that, you know, if you trust men, they'll let you down? Men and women, by the way, that's not gender specific. If you trust people, they'll let you down. But if you trust God, he'll never let you down. No, no, he won't let you down from his perspective. He might let you down from where you're at because that's how offense gets created. It's called unmet expectations. Do you know that? People expect, you expect something of me and I didn't do it? And guess what? You're offended. Maybe I didn't even know what was expected. Sometimes that's a problem. See? So it's good to make sure that we agree on what's expected. Well, you came here for this and this is what I did and this is, you know, I didn't know that. Gee, I'm sorry. Oh, are you now? Yeah. Well, that's not good enough. Okay. I <laughs> don't know what to tell you. Come on up, worship team. How about because we don't understand trust? How about we don't trust God because we don't understand what trust is? Because it's been broken. How about a promise that was made and then they broke their promise? And that was pretty easy for people to do, to break a promise. They said that they were going to, we were going to, you were going to pay for me to go to, to spring camp and then you come up and you said, no, I thought it was done because you said you were going to do it. And then they didn't do it. Trust is broken. So guess what? I just learned not to trust anymore. Or I don't trust so much. And eventually when that happens enough, people have a history of not being able to trust. And then we expect them to trust God. How's that supposed to happen? It's a knowing of God. It's that connection even Kim was talking about. Yeah, unbelief will cause that. But, but does unbelief really, that'll cause you not to trust God. Do you trust anybody else, even if you're an unbeliever? 
I found people who trust when they're unbelievers. I did before I got saved. I trusted people. And don't even believe that he exists when I'm an unbeliever. I don't care. I trust what I can do. Isn't that part of the problem with trusting God is we're relying on ourself? Self-sufficiency is really a major problem. See, God is on our side, and that's, that's I'm having to cut through all these notes and come to it. I like what, what uh, Corey Ten Boom said. She said this. She said, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. When you're going through a period of darkness, you, you don't just say, that's it, end it all. You, you wait because you know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Here's these words I want to give you. Reliable, dependable, trustworthy, courageous, faithful, bold, solid, brave, believable. How about predictable? Do you know those are all kinds of terms you would throw out in a job application? Well, what do you feel are your three greatest strengths? Well, I'm reliable, dependable, and lovable. So you come up with all those terms. What is that? that? Those are actually identifiers of somebody who has the character of Christ. See, those are somebody who has their security and their peace, and it comes from an assurance that, that God is on my side, that I can trust him. See? Gina was a sweetheart, and she made these cards for me. Just spent time today. We won't... I, I've got... There's more. There's good, there's good stuff here. Message. I guess let me give you one more. They're, they're waiting for me behind here. You know that Isaiah says, no weapon formed against you can prosper? Do you know that's a promise? That means God says, trust me. Even if they're forming weapons, even if they're loading your, their guns, trust me. See? It doesn't matter. Whatever the issue is, he says, you can trust me. The other scripture verse that I wanted to put up was going to be off of uh, Isaiah 49. I think I didn't give you Isaiah 49, did I? 14. So let me look on my notes real quick. Isaiah 50, I'm sorry, Psalm 56, verse 8 and 9. I'm going to end with this. Is that a psalm? Gina made these little cards. Before we sang a song this morning, I didn't, uh, you got to just believe me, I didn't know that was on there. But she made this little cool uh, post, uh, it's, a, it's actually a business card, and it says this one phrase that I want you to walk with all week long. Um, it says, God is on my side. God is on my side. Okay? So could you guys help pass these out? Oh, you know what? We'll do it this way. We'll let them, when you bring your offering this morning, pick up one of these, would you? Sorry, we'll, we'll do that. That's a better way. You put this on a magnet, put it in your, put it in your wallet um, this week, put it in your purse, to put it somewhere prominent that's going to remind you that in the midst of your week, when you start feeling overwhelmed, when you think that you're, you're, you're near death because of some issue, um, God is on my side. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. You are on my side. Who do, should I fear? Do I, do I fear? Do I worry? Do I have to do anything? I've got to do is hear your voice, know the assurance of heaven, and then walk it out. 
Boy, that's what we see this whole example of is God, you saying to Jesus that even if there was a moment of let this cup pass, nonetheless, not my will, but yours be done. I agree, God, you want us to be uh, spiritual, strong people. You want us to be courageous and dependable and reliable in the midst of whatever you allow, whatever you cause. So, God, I ask for you to strengthen us and remind us this week that you, God, are on our side. We ask your blessing on our offering today as we come before you. And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, God, that you've spoken to us, that, God, you have a plan for us. And if we have not heard clearly, open our ears that we might hear what the Spirit is saying. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's, let's stand and finish with that, that reminder. God is on our side.